Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, January 25th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is not sure if I agree with Mike Yo or not that he said the Flyers came to this game with a lot of energy. <laughs> we'll get into it for sure. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about last night's game between the Flyers and Dallas Stars. We're going to get into a couple of unfortunate uh, racist incidents that happened in the AHL and ECHL and what that means for the leagues overall. And then we will check in with the Phantoms as we do almost every Tuesday. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So hit that subscribe button and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ. So a couple of things going on here. Uh, Pre-game, there were some interesting choices that were made. They did call up uh, Lena Sandine and Connor Bonneman back to the taxi squad, but because they had played the full weekend in Lehigh Valley, they could not slot into the game last night because it just would have been too much for them, which is understandable, but still just a disappointment that they couldn't like be more proactive in planning about this. By the way, there's not one writer in this building that doesn't think they could have called Lehigh and had them not play one of those games. Like it would have just been that simple. They knew beforehand and they didn't do anything about it. So they wanted to play Nick Sealer for whatever reason. It is baffling. So as you mentioned, Nick Sealer checked into the game as a left wing. Okay, sure. It's not the first time that the Flyers have done this. Of course, there was the uh, famous experiment they tried to do with um, Samaran. Oh, with Samaran. Yeah, they did a couple games, yeah. Yeah. So they've done this before, but it's not the ideal situation, especially with some forethought. They could have had some actual forwards in there. Uh, Zach McEwen was in the lineup. He had gotten banged up on Saturday against Columbus, uh, and they weren't sure if he was going to make it, but he did slot in to the fourth line. On the Dallas side of things, you know, when we were previewing this game, we talked a little bit about goaltender Jake Ottinger and that, you know, he had gotten pulled from his previous two starts. Didn't seem to be a problem for him tonight in, in that game. Uh, and unfortunately, we did not get to see Michael Roffel either because he is hurt. I did talk to him, though. He was in a walking boot. He, um, he He's a really good guy. He's in good spirits. He actually loves living in Dallas. So good for him. Oh, I'm glad he's happy. That's all I can hope, wish, and dream for him. So getting to this game... You know, going back to what Mike Yo said is in that, you know, the one thing he felt like the Flyers were not lacking was energy. And I have to say that 
while I agree with it in terms of that Frost Mayhew Wellman line, and I think to some degree the Drew Atkinson combo had some moments as well. Their numbers uh, reflect that for the game. But I I have to say that when push came to shove in the third period, when Dallas stepped it up and turned on the Jets, the Flyers did not reciprocate. No, I mean, the Flyers had energy to start off the third period. They had zero energy to start off the first period. And in the second period, there was a little energy. That's all there was. I mean, I get it. Mike Yo's trying to, you know, stay as positive as he can. But the problem is he's losing this team in the sense that when they don't have to practice and there's no accountability and you just want them to play the right way, they do play the right way until something goes wrong. And then it goes the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then it's another instance, I think, where, you know, they have a ton of chances, but they can't seem to get their stick on the puck right in front of the net up close to tap goals in or to just lift the puck over the goaltender's pads, that there's just something missing there with the finishing that they cannot seem to do. Well, they were missing the net a lot, and that's concentration. And, and that's bad. I mean, honestly, to be perfectly blunt, they didn't touch a puck tonight in the net. <laughs> that puck was knocked in by a Dallas star. So they didn't knock in one. I saw Lindblom go into the net, and he thought he may have deflected that puck, but he didn't. But at least he was going to the net. Very few were going to the net. The only time they were going to the net if there was a pileup and they had a chance to, you know, mm-hmm. one through the pads. But someone like JVR, I was watching him. And honestly, if there wasn't a great setup, he was not putting out any extra effort. Keith Yandel, I know they were trying to be nice, and, you know, he tied the record, and that's all well and good. But when they needed him to make a big pass, he couldn't do it. If they needed him to make, you know, have a shot on net, he couldn't do it. Those kinds of things ring really hollow when the team ties the all-time record for futility for the franchise. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think is looming over them greatly right now. You know, on on a night where Yandel ties an Ironman streak and the Flyers tie an all-time winless streak for the franchise, you know, you want one of those to go over the line tomorrow and not the other. <laughs> That's for sure. Think about this. This is almost mind-boggling. This is now 22 winless games in these two separate streaks. Yes. The season's not even that old. No, we're we're about halfway through, and it's uh, it, it is very disheartening, to say the least. And you feel like this team could be doing a lot better, but they just don't do any of the little things that will get them there. No, and that's the thing. They're trying to get their goals the way they would normally get their goals when they were able to control a game. Well, they can no longer control a game, so now. They have lost how the art of actually trying to sway momentum by playing hard. As an example, that Nick Sealer line. I know everybody's trying to be nice and say he didn't play bad or he didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a good game. That line didn't have a good game. That line didn't have any puck possession. If you have a fourth line with zero puck possession, what is the line? They could barely hold on to the puck. There was one chance at the beginning of the game where a puck missed the net that Cates took a backhand shot on. And other than that, they barely ever touched the puck. Looking at the heat map, you know, with shots on goal, 
they're all over the place, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But there's a couple key areas where they got almost nothing from. And that's from the dot on either side. And I think that could have been something that they might have gotten some success from. And then you look at the Dallas side of things and they have like a giant blob in front of the net, you know, with two little G's on it on natural stat trick. And you're like, hmm, guess some effort in front of the net, you know, to try and get something to work actually helps. You know, the one thing that we did, one player we talked about who, who always seems to kill the Flyers is Rupe Hintz. And I could just tell his game was building and building as that game went on. But I will tell you, another player we talked about offline because we weren't sure if he was going to play was Alexander Radulov, and he started becoming a factor in the third period. Like, he started to get his legs, and he was around the net before that goal scored. So, you know, he he felt it. They knew they could just get around that net, and some puck would squirt loose. And Peterson's got a really good shot, as you saw. And so, you know, everybody could say, well, you know, it's like one puck, and it's tough luck, but... They were sort of building towards that. They played a hard, honest game. It was sloppy at times. There were times in that third period I was shaking my head for both teams on how sloppy it was. Yeah, it, it did not look great, I think, overall for the first half of the game. That's true. I mean, it really is true. But this was one where, you know, it, it's almost like they need to just get dumb luck to get off the streak. But to have some luck, you have to have to be in position to do things. Like, at least on the first goal, at least guys were in position. But then it really didn't happen much after that. And so it's hard to even get puck luck that way. Well, at least the one thing we can say is that the Flyers did not lose this game because of special teams. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, the refs wanted to leave. The refs did all that they could to make sure this was a fast play like- game beer league hockey where the refs just want to get paid and get out of there it really it really was that i'm telling you it really we all were remarking about that (laughs) that's funny all right well we'll see if the flyers can turn things around tonight against the new york islanders we'll be celebrating keith yandelmore uh, up next, we'll be talking a little bit about those unfortunate incidents involving racism in the minors, uh, and then come back around to the Phantoms after that. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. All right, Russ, it's not something we love to talk about because we wish we never had to talk about these things, but it is important to to bring them up and when they occur. And it's also important, frankly, to check in on how the league is doing on diversity and inclusion and dealing with incidents when they arise. And the last week has been quite troublesome in pro hockey, not at the NHL level, but there are repercussions for the NHL 
in the last week, the AHL on Friday suspended uh, Christoph Harabic from the San Jose Barracuda for 30 games after he made a racist gesture toward Boko Imama of the Tucson Roadrunners uh, from a game on January 12th. And um, unfortunately, the very next day after that suspension was announced, Jordan Subban experienced pretty much the same gesture in his game for the South Carolina Stingrays Mm -hmm. uh, in that ECHL game against Jacksonville. And that came from Jacob Panetta. Jacob Panetta was uh, suspended indefinitely. And then they made a statement implying that they released him from his contract, but I'm not sure that was official yet. But all of that being said, um, just two absolutely horrific incidents. Um, And frankly, if you get to a point in your life where that's a thing that comes to you naturally to do, like, that's a problem. And the fact that people like that, and people who are, you know, using racist gestures and saying racist things that get to this level in the sport like you just wonder again like what is hockey doing to combat this at all levels yeah so from what I've experienced in my own life and I'm sure you've experienced racism and I have what I've noticed is people could act like diversity training will work and yeah I'll be good and everything else but when they get mad or something corners a person, that's when these things come out. And I think the AHL did a good job with what they did. And again, you could try and educate players all you want. There are some that don't want to be educated. They could just turn their brain off when you're in that class, act like they're doing the right thing and still have this happen. The only thing I could come up with, because uh, we were talking, I was talking about it on another show, was, you know what? There is no more trash talk, Period. Anybody who trash talks, you're in the penalty box. If it's worse than that, then you get this. And that's what you do. You just say there is no more trash talk, period. Because trash talk's a fun thing until it gets like that. And since there are players that are incapable of keeping that in and not having it be like good-natured ribbing, then you know what? Shut it down. You know, I'm not sure I agree with you there. And first off, I want to make it very clear that both of us are white, and that yes, I can only speak for myself. Um, personally, I've definitely experienced, you know, homophobic things in my life. I've experienced anti-Semitic things in my life. And yes, they are, they are not the same as this sort of racist attack. No. There's, there's some similarities in terms of sometimes the feelings that you have, but I cannot speak for black people um, in any way, shape or form. Right. No, no. And I can't either in that and, regard, but... And I, I just also want to say that I do not think the 30-game suspension was enough. I think that this is so egregious that to even say that this person has the ability to come back this season is, I think, unfair to, uh, you know, the to the victim of the incident. I agree with you on that level. But the problem is if it's not in the rules and it's not written down, most time sports and commissioners, especially a new commissioner – generally don't supersede the situation. That's that's where you're right, but history says it usually doesn't happen. Right, but I can agree that what the 
punishment is is wrong and it doesn't it centers rehabilitation of the offender and it does not center the feelings or the experience of Bokuyamama in in this situation and I just feel really strongly that that's how we have to look at this and the league ultimately can do whatever it wants in a circumstance like this and if they went beyond what's on paper or generally understood, then there are mechanisms for appeal at that point. But the first thing that the league should have done was to end end that guy's season and then and then go from there and see if it's possible for him to have a chance to play pro hockey again. I, I just think that at this point, without higher degrees of accountability, there's no incentive to change anything at any level in the sport. I, I think that's fair. I, and, and we've seen this happen, you know, in Canada. We've seen it happen all over. So we can't necessarily blame a particular area. Uh, you know, I, with Jordan Subban's situation, I don't blame him for beating the snot out of the guy. I don't because I have felt that way in my life before as well, and I'm not a violent person. So, but again, I just feel like, it's when there's fighting and chippy play and all that is that when this comes out the most. At least that's what I see mostly in sports. And so that's why, you know, I the NFL does a lot of things wrong, but like their no taunting and everything else has really nipped a lot of that in the bud. You don't really hear about it now in the NFL. And of course, I'm not naive. It doesn't mean it doesn't go on in the hallways and the locker rooms in real life. But on the ice, it is a sort I, I feel it is one way of controlling it. It's certainly an option I think that should be discussed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will say PK Subban, obviously brother of Jordan, who, you know, experienced this racist attack, uh, had a lot to say about it on Sunday night. And I highly encourage you to watch the entire uh, discussion that he had with some Devils media, uh, as well as maybe read it um, in the transcript. We'll put a link to that in the Mm -hmm. show notes. And he was very blunt about saying, you know, people who aren't black won't understand 100 percent correct um he mm-hmm. expressed you know pretty strong disappointment um in what had happened but that also you know this was nothing new for him and his family and he felt really lucky to have a family that was supportive and could be there for each other but that i think that it's important to listen to especially black players in this league when they speak up. But it's also important to demand answers and accountability of white players in in the league as well. And I don't think we do enough of that, not by a long shot. No, and I'll I'll tell you one one who did, Tom Wilson uh, tweeted about it. And I know Tom Wilson has a reputation of just being like an agitating jerk but I've interviewed him many times and he really is an engaging, good guy. It's just that's his job and he does it to the nth degree and a lot of fans hate it. But he made the right tweet. Yeah. And, you know, Jason Zucker um, also posted about it um, yeah. and made a donation to Black Girl Hockey Club. He's been, I think, pretty outspoken in the past as well. So I personally would like to see the Flyers and Flyers players more vocal when these things come up. They very rarely are. 
um, and almost it feels like they have to get dragged into it, honestly. And so there's a certain degree of disappointment I have there from the team. But, you know, all we can do is ask for more for them. And, and I do think that, again, we have a responsibility not to demand the time and emotional labor of black and other players of color in the league to speak up on this all the time. We need to start talking to the white players. Unfortunately, it's been so ingrained in hockey players that they really just want to kind of like show up to the rink, play hockey and have a good time. But these other things are important. And it would be nice to see more talk about it, for sure. Yeah. Isn't it nice for them that they get to do that and not have to worry about being attacked? Right. It's tough talking about things, but if we don't, then nothing will ever change. So that's why we do it here. We will be talking about the Phantoms coming up next. I know there was uh, some call up but disappointment about it when we talked about the Dallas game but there are some of the other guys that we do want to bring up as well all right so we're back talking about the phantoms in our weekly check-in with that team uh decent weekend could have been better uh they won their first game on Wednesday against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Then they split with the Charlotte Checkers, uh, losing four to one on Saturday, but turning things around on Sunday, winning five to two. Uh, Pat Nagel was back, as was Hayden Hodgson from the mm-hmm. COVID list, which was good, especially again because they're having to call up uh, Sandstrom to the taxi squad. Um, after he got in a couple of games this weekend. And, you know, Phantom's still in sixth. They're trucking. Uh, splitting those points with Charlotte didn't <laughs> help move them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't move them up in the, in the standings. But they, again, I think are playing a little bit better. Saturday's game was, I think, one bad period. But Well, I, but I do want to talk about that because yeah. third period collapses are bad. Now, they did recover from that. I get it. That's fine. But that's just sometimes the rigors of playing back-to-back. But after you come off a win and have a third period collapse like that, to me, that's worrisome. And, look, I get it. The Checkers have some good players. I saw Cole Lind was one of the contributors, and, and he's very close to being mm-hmm. an NHLer. And, and, and Alexander True is another one who's hard to handle. But the, the thing about it is, and I do feel like Ian LaPeria has done a better job of late, but... The checker said some things in that game that I don't think happened for the Phantoms. Our leaders stepped up. We really, you know, banded together in this third period. I don't think that happens enough with with the Phantoms. Yeah, I struggle with that a little bit because I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because the roster has been so up and down. But for all um, teams, injuries. right? Every team it's goes through. It's true. But I will say with Charlotte that they, they are a split roster. So True. They have some Canes players and some Kraken players. And so there's a little bit more stability there because each team has had their ups and downs at different times. So it's been a little bit clearer, I think, for okay. for Charlotte in these circumstances. Again, not an excuse, but at the same time, I think that right now there's not a ton of leaders on the Phantoms. I mean, there's Cal O'Reilly, right? 
Mm-hmm. But it's just there's a lot, a lot of new guys and a lot of guys have not been skating with the team for very long. And so to develop a, a core leadership or a core group right now, I think is is a bit of a challenge for the Phantoms. That being said, a third period collapse is terrible. Connor Carrick uh, scored a shorthanded goal in that game. And then it just kind of like fell apart from there and they mm-hmm. gave up two even strength goals after that and and the checkers only had 20 shots on goal that entire game on saturday so it wasn't for lack of effort i mean they played two really strong periods and then just had a moment where things went bad and then it got out of hand for them but again they came back on sunday and i thought played it was a very weird game i gotta say they got like completely outshot in the first period but then in the second period they were up 16 to nothing in shots you know, in the second period. And then like both teams kind of held back a little bit in the third. But again, a five to do victory is nothing to sneeze at. No, I mean, that's, again, that is a really good victory. I guess the thing I'm going to ask here is before the season began, and I never, I didn't really think about it. So that's why I'm asking you first. Did we really think the Phantoms would be a playoff team? That That's, to me, I wanted to ask that question because no, I don't. I don't think I thought that way. Well, I, I would say that I did not know what to think about this Phantoms team yeah. overall, just because there was so much change. There was a coaching change. There was a huge roster turnover. I mean, at least three or four of the veteran guys that kind of held down the Phantoms last season are not on the team this year. And so it was a lot of prospects, a lot of the new guys uh, sticking around. And then, you know, as we've talked about, Chuck Fletcher went and signed a bunch of old Minnesota dudes, Mm -hmm. you know, to fill out the roster in a lot of ways. And there was just, I think, between that and COVID and the Flyers with injuries and problems and call-ups and send-downs and Add, adding a taxi squad mid-season. I just think like there was, re- there hasn't been an opportunity for this team to gel. So I think, you know, long story short, I had no clue what to ex- what to expect from this team at the beginning of the season. And given everything, I think we're about where I might have guessed. Okay. I would say that for me, the disappointing thing is, is they're probably fourth or fifth worst scoring team. Like, if nothing else, I did expect them to score some goals. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to that. And I think that what you judge this season on is prospect development and pretty much nothing else. And I think right now they're at a C, if that. Yeah. No, that's fair. So looking at a couple of those prospects, um, once again, really annoyed that they called up Lena Sandine. Um, and Connor Bonneman only to not play them mm-hmm. last night. Um, Sandine had his fourth goal of the season on Wednesday, a goal and an assist in that game. He got another goal on Saturday. Um, you know, Connor Bonneman, his last five Phantoms games that he's been in the roster, two goals, two assists. Um, you know, Wyatt Wiley finally stepped up, I think, a little bit. Um, he's been progressing. I yeah, think. He's, he's an interesting one because... I always felt like he was a long-term guy if he was ever going to do anything, but there is a little something there, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah, uh, he got three assists in that game on Sunday, so 
definitely a breakout performance for him as well. And I know this is a guy who likely is not going to make it to the Flyers, but Matt Strom finally got his first goal of the season on Sunday. He's absolutely been playing pretty well in the last several weeks. And, you know, for a guy that kind of bottomed out and was ECHL for a while, it's good to see him playing solidly at the AHL level. Yeah, he's a good, likable guy. He just doesn't have the foot speed. They've worked Mm -hmm. with him a lot. It just doesn't happen for some guys, but it doesn't mean he can't have a nice AHL career. Not at all. So on the goaltending side, uh, like I said, Pat Nagel got back in off of the COVID list. So he played on Sunday's game, uh, made a lot of really incredible saves, I would say, in that game. So hopefully that'll put him in a good position to head off to the Olympics. That's still crazy. I'm thinking of Pat Nagel as an Olympic goalie. Like, I don't even know what to say about that. And it's no offense to him. He's a pretty good goalie. But like, you know, this is the Olympics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they did a very nice like video presentation for him as well. That's good. He deserves that. That was really good to see. Hey, look, I'll be rooting for him. He'll be wearing the right colors for me. So That's for sure. The Phantoms have uh, three in a row. This weekend uh, at Springfield, at Hartford, and then home against Hershey. So uh, three games that'll give uh, these guys another opportunity to try and move up in the ranks. Yeah, they're all ahead of them in the standings. So if you were going to have a good weekend, this is the weekend to have a good weekend. Fingers crossed that they do. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Haven't heard from our old buddy Nate Thompson in quite a while and he posted on instagram that he went back out to vale colorado for a surgery checkup seems to be progressing really well and says he'll have some news this week hopefully it's good news for him um again you know he's a guy that has been a penalty kill contributor obviously not like a make it or break it guy but the penalty kill and special teams have been struggling a little bit for the Flyers this year. So if he could get back on the ice, uh, that would be good for him. And I think good for the sport. Yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, at this point, why not? Exactly. All right. That will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to talk Flyers versus Islanders part the third. We'll answer some mailbag questions. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in those mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel, and I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, and it's hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Have a great day, everyone.